Thank you for listening to this sermon from Seven Springs Presbyterian Church. If you want to learn more about us, please find us on Facebook or visit us at sevenspringspresbyterian.com. The word open before us. Let us go to Lord and ask for his blessing as we read his word and study it together. Let us pray. O gracious and merciful Father, we give you thanks and praise that you have indeed given us your word. That this word is uh, living and active. Lord, that is sharper than two, any two-edged sword. We pray that today that it would divide this, our soul of spirit and the joints of marrow. Lord, that you would go deeper than just our ears, but you, through your spirit, would discern the thoughts and intentions of our hearts through your word. That we would see your comfort in this psalm, but also conviction from your spirit. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Here now the word Lord from uh, Psalm 23 from the Good News Translation. The Lord our shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. He lets me rest in fields of green grass and leads me to quiet pools of fresh water. He gives me new strength. He guides me in the right paths as He has promised. Even if I go through the deepest darkness, I will not be afraid. Lord, for you are with me. Your shepherd's rod and your staff protect me. You prepare a banquet for me where all my enemies can see me. You welcome me as an honored guest and fill my cup to the brim. I know that your goodness and love will be with me all my life. And your house will be my home as long as I live. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord will stand forever. In Psalm 23, as we've gone through this psalm slowly, now we turn to verse 5. And verse 5 changes. David changes the scene in which we are set. He changes from the Lord being the shepherd to the Lord being the gracious host. God now becomes the one who prepares a table before Him. Now before we look at this change and what it teaches us about this vital truth of how we relate to God, that here we find that no example of God in human terms can ever ever summarize God in His completeness or fullness. That there is no perfect example even you find this, even as, as the apostles describe the church, there is no one perfect example of what the church can be used as. It's a bride, it's a flock, it's a family, it's living stones. And here in this psalm we see this change and it teaches us this vital truth that every example we see is always going to fall short. Because what we do is we turn to creation to be able to describe the Creator. That a Creator is infinite, eternal. But all of creation is nothing like that. For it is made by the Creator. That we use that creation to help us understand God as the Word describes God to us. But it is never complete. It gives us an, image, uh, uh, an idea of who God is. That invisible God who made all of creation. And today we see 
God as that gracious host. Now before we get into these understandings, as we pointed out, this is, this is a psalm of David. That David is the one who has written this psalm. And we don't know specifically, we're not told in the Scripture, where in David's life he wrote this psalm. Now, out of all the accounts of Scripture that we've got of David's life, there are three points and moments in his life that maybe could allude to this uh, passage here. The first is when David is fleeing Saul, and he comes to Nob. And Ahimelech is the priest, and, and he goes in, and the priest gives him holy bread. He provides a feast for him as he flees his enemy, Saul. The second of, is that of the incident of Nabal in 1 Samuel chapter 25. Here David is running from Saul yet again. He's in the wilderness, and now uh, he seeks for food. But Nabal will not give him any food. Now this out of the three I think is the least likely because this, this in 1 Samuel chapter 25, it doesn't emphasize the, the surrounding of the enemies. But I think the most likely, which is the third example, is when David is, is fleeing Jerusalem. His son Absalom has claimed right to the throne. He has come into Jerusalem seeking to be able to overthrow David, take the crown from his head. And as David leaves Jerusalem, he is greeted there by three friends. And these three friends come and provide a lavish feast for him as he's fleeing his enemy, his son. And that's found in 2 Samuel chapter 17. Now that's the most likely in my opinion, but it, we need to be cautious to be able to say without a doubt that is the example or this is the instance where we find ourselves. Why possibly David at the end of his life looks back and, and he looks back and this is a psalm of his whole life. And he thinks of those three incidences and he, and he thinks of instances and he thinks of God being that gracious host in those three different times. And maybe he's got even more times that come to mind where God has provided and prepared a table before him in the presence of his enemy. Now that might make sense in that third example, specifically if, if you think of the valley of death as he walks through is not just an illusion, but that period of life where he does have great loss. He loses his unnamed son. He loses Amon and then potentially Absalom as well. David had faced many enemies throughout his life. That famous hit song which was sung around the turn of the millennia in 1000 B.C. how Saul had killed his thousands, but David had killed his tens of thousands. So he has many stories to tell, I'm sure, of God providing for him in unlikely and unique situations. So what do we see in this line of this psalm? The first thing that we see is the gracious host sets the place for his guest. The gracious host sets the place for his guest. We've changed the scene. We move from the rolling hills, the quiet streams, the dark valleys. Now before us is a great feast. We all know people in our lives. Maybe you are this person who is a tremendous host. When you go into their house, it's not only that they make you feel at home. There's one thing to be able to be welcomed in, to be able to make feel at home. Help yourself to anything. There's another thing altogether to be able to go into someone's house and, 
They don't make you feel like you're just at home. They make you feel like you are an honored guest. Sit back. What can I get you? Let me serve you. Let me help you. And David now speaks of God as this gracious host who has prepared a table and before Him is now a spot for Him to be able to sit down. And we often maybe think of David as accustomed to this lifestyle. He was a king. He ate as a king. However, for most of his life, the majority of his life, he was not treated like royalty. He was living as a shepherd boy and amongst the fields. where He was fleeing from Saul in the wilderness. Even his years as king were marked with trials and sufferings. Spent in war, going in and out of battle, fleeing from his son Absalom. Throughout his life, he would have seen some moments of great uh, plenty, but also he saw some times where there was hunger. And David thought the Lord is the one who prepares the table for him. David knows he is unworthy. He compares himself to a dead dog and a flea. In the eyes of his family, he was the youngest son who was then made to watch the sheep. In the eyes of the world, he did not come from any nobility. He brought food for others and not the other way around. David would become great, but not because of anything that he has done, but it was the gracious Lord who established his kingdom, we find out in 2 Samuel chapter 5. But the focus is not on lowly David, invited to eat a meal in this glamorous feast. The focus is on God, the one who prepares the table for David. William Humer explains that this is not a meager meal, but a fanciful feast. He says to prepare a table was to make ready a feast. It was more than to give a loaf of bread to a weary pilgrim. It was to detain one as a guest and set before him the best of everything that could under the circumstance be had. If you look throughout the Bible, you see this great theme of these feasts. The Jewish calendar was really marked by feasts. Week-long feasts, celebration feasts. The image of feast travels throughout the whole Bible. We find it with a climactic feast at the book of Revelation. The marriage supper of the Lamb. This glamorous feast where all who are unworthy come and now enter. Because now they are worthy because they are clothed with Christ's righteousness. And we celebrate a feast. We'll do it next week as our church We celebrate a small feast as we're here on earth as we await the great feast in heaven. It's the Lord who prepares this table and place for us that we are undeserving. But it is Him, the gracious host, who shows us and sets sets the table for us. John Stevenson puts it this way, how amazing is the goodness and condescension of God 
and thus Himself becoming the provider of His people. Vast and unnumbered as they are, there is not one among them all whose circumstances He ever overlooks or whose wants He does not suitably provide. David says, the Lord is a gracious host. The second thing that David points out, that He is not just a gracious host, but He is a great host who protects His guests. There's a strange scene here in this image that we're painted in this psalm. You have here a table prepared by the gracious host, but around this table is enemies. Imagine you're going out to dinner with that special someone, a loved one in your life for a very special occasion, maybe an anniversary, something to celebrate, a birthday. And the hostess walks you into the middle of the restaurant, sets you down in the middle of the restaurant, and as you sit down, you look around, and there are people that are surrounded you, and they're not friends and family to be able to celebrate you in your feast, this anniversary, this special occasion. But all the people who have ever wronged you, the people who were mean to you in middle school, the people who backstabbed you at work, the others who have wronged you, or maybe even you have wronged them. Enemies that surround you. But you're not worried about that. Because your gracious host knows how to look after you. David does not blink an eye. He doesn't give us more information about this. In the line of the psalm, he does not explain what happened in this situation. I think this shows how much he trusts the great host. The power of the great host. The battle, the war is not mentioned. The great and powerful host can protect the guest from all of their enemies. And as as David wrote before, as we walk through the valley of shadow of death, we fear no evil. Why? Because the Lord, the shepherd, is with us. And so too here, as this table is set, the gracious and great host, we have nothing to fear because the great host is there with us. Although the psalmist does not then make a connection back to the good shepherd, We shall, in this case. The Good Shepherd does not let anyone snatch his sheep out of his hand. What a great comfort that is that the great host will not let the enemies of the guest snatch them from their place at the table. Peter explains that our adversary, the devil, prowls around like a Lion seeking for someone to devour. But David says he has nothing to fear in this situation, even though surrounded by enemies because of the great powerful host which hosts him. That this great host is too powerful for that prowling lion. We see the gracious host, the great host. Thirdly, we see the greeting host honors his guest. The psalmist quickly moves on to explain that the host then gets out the oil. Now, this is a very foreign concept for us. 
if you had come to my house, sat down at the table before me, and I come from behind, or even if I show you, and pour oil all over your head, I'm sure that you would not be happy to return. Now, this is just an assumption. Maybe I should try it someday to see. That, that does not make sense for us. But this is culturally significant. The New Living Translation tries to capture this idea. Your honor, you honor me by anointing my head with oil. Or the Good News Translation, as we read it before. You welcome me as an honored guest. Now they place additional words to be able to help us understand this cultural significance that those reading this psalm originally would have just, of course, they understood what he was talking about. Those words which he add or honored to honor or to welcome. During this time, it was common that honored guests would have their feet washed and then, then anointed. However, in special circumstances, the host would get a big vase filled with oil, showing their worth, their respect to their guest, and they would pour it all over them. Jesus even touches on this cultural practice in Luke chapter 7. When Jesus goes to the house of Simon the Pharisee, and he walks, and in walks this sinful woman. And she begins to cry and weep at Jesus' feet and washing His feet with tears, rubbing it with her hair. And Jesus explained to Simon that this is correct gratitude for one who has had their sins forgiven. But He points out to Simon also that you did not anoint My head with oil, but she has anointed My feet with ointment. Here he's pointing out this significance of what would happen to these guests. That this welcoming host welcomes and honors his guests at his table. Now this is not the anointing of a king. There's a different word in Hebrew which is used for regularly anointing someone to an office as David was anointed by Samuel. The word used is dishan. It's related to that word which is related to being fat. It conveys a sense of plenty to be able to slather on. That's where we get you anoint more poor, abundantly lather. So it's not just that this host shows you a small amount of gratitude as their distinguished guest, but places a generous portion of oil upon the head of their guest. That this is not merely just a meager feast with a weary pilgrim, as we read before. It is a great feast. We'll even see this as the host starts pouring the wine. He's a gracious host. He's a great host. He's a greeting host. He's a generous host who provides for his guests. Now the gracious host turns and opens a bottle of wine. 
on their freshly anointed guest. How he brings out the cup, he sets it on the table, he starts pouring the wine. But the cup starts to overflow. Again, before we continue, this is something that just goes right over our heads. This is again not just making a comment that this host is a messy host. In our house, an overflowing cup means the cup is either tilted or the, the juice has just started pouring out and it's all over the floor. But here is a symbol of generosity. That the host would come and set the person at their table, they would bring out their best wine, put out their best cup, and start pouring it into the cup. And as it came to the top and run over, ran over the sides, it was a sign that the host was saying, do not worry, you will lack for nothing as you sit at this feast. I have enough for you. I have more than enough for you. The Lord gives this generous host gives to be able to overflow an abundance provided for his guests. As we'll look next week, it's not only that these blessings that we would assume would be what the world would assume these blessings come from. It's not this Prosperity as the eyes would have it or understand it. It's not even what our sinful hearts would desire or want. But these benefits in the life of the believer that overflow with goodness. As the psalmist unpacks next week that, that it's goodness and mercy are some of these things that this generous host gives to us. That God provides all that we want. All that we need. As we read before, that I shall not want. I shall be lacking for nothing. We have this glorious picture of this gracious host. This great host. This generous host. This greeting host. But as this scene is painted before us, there's one question that we all need to answer. Are you going to the table? Jesus described of a great and glorious feast in the, the parable of the feast in Matthew chapter 22. Where this king provides this great banquet for his son and his bride. Or as the invitations are sent out, they're received by these, gener these potential guests. And they come and start making excuses why they can't attend this feast. I've got to plow my field. I've got to check on my house. I've got to run my business. All too busy to attend this feast. The king is furious. And he goes, go out to the streets. The byways and the highways. Go and find anyone who wants to be able to come. Let them come in and sit at the table. To enjoy this feast. But this parable goes on to explain that many are called, but few are chosen. 
that in this, this picture, this, this picture that the psalmist paints is a glorious picture. But it's not a glorious picture if it's not a reality. Or to put it another way, the picture is not a beautiful picture unless you are in the picture. Are you a guest at this table? There is going to be a great feast in heaven. Are you going to be there? Do you look forward to being there? Or do you have other things to do? The joyous thing that this table is going to be a long table filled with men and women who do not deserve to be there based on their own actions. But the gracious host has invited them. Just as Jesus puts it in Matthew chapter 8, I tell you many will come from east and west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Or as Jesus told His disciples on the night that He was betrayed, that He is waiting for that chance to be able to drink this cup with His people. If you know that you will be at this table, and meditate on this great and glorious truth. Think of God as the gracious host who has welcomed you in, although you are undeserving. The great host who protects you from all of your enemies. You have nothing to be able to worry about. He has defeated the last enemy, death. The greeting host welcoming you in, honoring you, Taking off your old ratted rags and putting on the righteousness of Christ. The generous host who has enough for you and all people to be able to come. John Bunyan, the author of Pilgrim's Progress, has a book called Come and Welcome to Jesus Christ. This book I was made aware of in Ortland's book, Gentle and Lowly. This book, Come and Welcome to Christ Jesus, or by the Puritan long title is The Plain and Profitable Discourse on John 6.37. Shows the cause, truth, and manner of coming, the coming of a sinner to Jesus Christ and with His happy reception and blessed entertainment. And John Bunyan spells, I think, out this line in this psalm as he unpacks John 3.6.37. Uh, the blessed host welcoming his guest to the table that is prepared for them. And in this book, this great book, he shows this gracious host not only welcomes those, but in no way will cast them out. He says in this book, as we all seek to be able to make excuses we say that I am a great sinner, sayest thou. I in no way will cast out, says Christ. But I am an old sinner, sayest thou. I will in no wise cast out, says Christ. But I am a hard-hearted sinner, sayest thou. I will no wise cast out, says Christ. But I am a backsliding sinner, sayest thou. 
I will no wise cast out. But I have served Satan all my days, sayest thou. I will no wise cast out, says Christ. But I have sinned against you in thy light, sayest thou. But I will no wise cast out, says Christ. But I have sinned against mercy, sayest thou. I will no wise cast out, says Christ. But I have no good thing to bring with me, sayest thou. I will no wise cast out, says Christ. When we focus on this psalm and see that this picture is not about us, but about that gracious, great, generous, and greeting host, we realize that it is nothing to the cross that we bring only to the cross. We only bring the sin to the cross. That the, the gracious host welcomes us in. That the graced host protects us from all of our enemies. That the greeting host honors us because of what Christ has done for us. That the generous host provides for us because He has more than abundant mercy to be able to share. There's great comfort the sinner in this psalm. Because what Christ has done for His death and resurrection. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's pray. O gracious, great, welcoming, generous Father, we give You thanks and praise for this glorious psalm. That we as believers find great comfort in the great Shepherd but also the great host. Lord, that we come to Your table that has been set before us with nothing that we have to offer or bring, but only come through Jesus Christ. We pray that we would meditate on this great and glorious truth. Let us not seek ways to be able to miss this great feast to come, the marriage supper of the Lamb. Let us come. Let us realize that we are welcomed guests who are protected, provided for through Jesus, the great host. We pray all these things through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior's precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Seven Springs Presbyterian Church. If you want to learn more about us, please find us on Facebook or visit us at sevenspringspresbyterian.com. Seven Springs Presbyterian Church began in 1874 and is a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America located in Glade Spring, Virginia. Please join us for worship on Sunday at 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. for His glory and His gospel.